take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 3, Chapter 9.5. Today is a special, and it is a special with Connie Eidenmonds. Connie Eidenmonds can talk about conventions, and she does, but this is a special because we deep dive into the realm of business, and this is uh, a little bit off topic, but what an amazing information that Connie shares with us. So... I think you're really going to love that. My brain literally exploded with some of the ideas by Connie. So let's hear Connie Eidenmonds and see you after the interview. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi. And today I'm talking with Connie Eidenmonds. Connie, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, wow. It's such a pleasure. Uh, today we are in the season about conventions, but there's two main things that I want to talk with you about. And the first is conventions and boy, oh boy, you have experience with that. But uh, the second one is to talk about the business side, like being a balloon artist and at the same time having a business. And that's something that you are doing beautifully. We had the opportunity of meeting in uh, WBC 16. Right. I was there hearing your wonderful take on things and your, uh, you were a part of a panel. And I couldn't, couldn't forget that sentence that you said. I think it was the closing sentence as well. The one about the elevator. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's one of my favorite sayings by Zig Ziglar. It's there the road to success has no elevator. You have to take the stairs. You and have... I think that's really telling uh, in that, you know, to get to where you want to be and to get to what you define as successful, it's not always easy. Uh, it's a climb. It's something that isn't handed to you on a silver platter. In most cases, you have to work for it. And so that has really stuck with me all these years as a balloon artist. Yeah, and I have to say that, uh, yeah, that ever since hearing that uh, from you, you know, you have to take the stairs. I so much, so believe this, and uh, uh, it was so fun to also jam with you in WBC. I was really happy to also uh, share a few minutes of your time here now and interview you to the show. Uh, you have so much to share because... Uh, you you teach in so many opportunities, and you are like a fountain of of knowledge and experience and ideas. So really thankful for for your time today, Coney. Oh, thank you for that. I really uh, I enjoy attending conventions and uh, teaching all over the world, and I uh, I love meeting new people and really getting to share my business perspectives and my decor techniques and my twisting experience with them in hopes that they'll bring something away that makes them a little bit more successful. Yeah. So before we go into what type of conventions you teach in or, or the topics and stuff like that, you're going to be a part of the world tour of uh, Qualitex next year. Um, before we go there 
and uh, then talk about business let's first introduce you to people so that maybe you know we have listeners from from even india and uh, and europe and all kinds of places and of course all kinds of people in different ranges of our experience so who is coney Oh, my goodness. Um, well, you know, I always introduce myself as a little twister from Tennessee because that's how I started out was doing balloon animals at birthday parties. The fact of the matter is I consider myself a successful entrepreneur in the balloon world and in the business world. Um, I have a company that I incorporated in 1995. I have 14 employees right now. And we do decor and twisting, and those are all employees. They are not contractors. And we started out really very small, doing children's birthday parties, doing costumed entertainment, doing face painting. Uh, it grew into decor. Uh, we found that we liked that line of business more. It tended to make more money when we started looking at profit and loss and which forms of you know entertainment that we were doing sometimes we went out and did arts and crafts sometimes we went out and did balloon decor sometimes we went out and did face painting and each one of these you know which one showed more profitability and if you really looked at it from that it was it it made sense to do to head down the path that we did which was balloon decor and balloon entertainment and so we've been around since 1995 as a small corporation and um, and I still love what I do today even though it's grown to be something rather large so uh, these days your business basically has you know uh, um, decorate de- decoration services that you serve your customers with and also entertainment services that you serve your customers with does this mean that some of your employees only do entertainment and some of your employees only do decor or is it a mixture? Well, we do have a lot of employees that are versatile, that have multiple skills. But I will tell you that there are some that are strictly decor. There are some that are strictly entertainment. Uh, not everybody is meant to be customer-facing. And not everybody is an entertainer. So we do have people that just entertain. We do have people that just do decor. And uh, and they're completely happy being in those, um, you know, little little segregated worlds, if you will. Do you remember when did you go into the call? Yeah, I do. It was probably three years into having the company, so about 1998. I was called by a church, and they asked me to do 10, uh, no, four 10-foot columns for their sanctuary. And I blew every one of those four 10-foot columns by mouth. So I will never forget that job ever. <laughs> I've learned a lot since then. Oh, wow. What, what a story. What an experience. <laughs> There was no internet or something, like no Facebook, no nothing. And Right. We learned the school of hard knocks. You know, there was no social media back then. Uh, internet was very, very new and there wasn't the shared resources. You know, even Balloon HQ, which had these... Um, lists where we these email chats where we would talk back and forth you know that that was probably the extent of the knowledge transfer at that point unless you had attended a professional convention you just didn't know these things but I certainly realized after that point that conventions <laughs> became very important to me because I thirst for that knowledge so that I didn't have to blow up 
you know, 400 balloons by mouth or whatever it was. <laughs> wow. Um, and since then, you've, uh, you've been growing your business, you've been uh, keeping it profitable, uh, you don't have a business, you don't keep a business open and running with 14 employees um, for so long uh, without uh, making it profitable as well. So I want to ask you about those you know, strate- strategic decisions that you've made uh, to educate yourself and your employees maybe and the conventions in the life cycle of or in the life of your business. How important are conventions for your business these you know, days? They're super important. Actually, even to this day, um, I will attend a convention and bring employees or send employees because I think it's important to have continuing education, not just to learn new techniques, but to also network with other, uh, other balloon artists to learn their trade secrets, to learn their techniques to learn their styles of business to see what works for them uh, you should never one should never stop learning whether it be in your career or in your life and so we encourage and actually give scholarships to our employees to attend conventions wow so they are so important for you that you are willing to pay for the attendance for your employees or partially pay, pay so that they will be educated. Absolutely. Absolutely. I entrust them with my customers. And so they need to have the education. Not, it's not just enough for me to be educated, um, but to expose them to the things that I see so that there's more than one person in the company who can share that knowledge and share that wealth with other customers. I mean, other employees. I see. Um, tell us a little bit about the, your experience as an instructor. So uh, I've been teaching for a long time. I, my first teaching experience was at a convention for Life of the Party, Mark Zettler. It was called the All-Star Review. And I actually taught twisting at that convention. And it was right after I started winning awards in the industry. I had won at two international conventions as a twister. I went to Millennium Jam and won at that convention uh, where no American had ever won before. In fact, they, they kind of laughed at me uh, when I showed up because they said I was the first American woman to show up there without her husband instructor <laughs> and said, why are you here? And I said, well, I'm here to compete. And they all kind of laughed. And they said, you know that all of these big names in the industry have been over here and none of them have won. And I said, I know, but how do you ever learn if you don't take a chance? Um, I actually didn't follow my own advice. I was going to do my own little piece. And I was sitting there watching um, a brilliant balloon artist named David Grist, who um, has since passed away. And he was building this large sculpture with uh, Graham Lee, and he said, well, aren't you going to come over here and help me? And I said, oh, no, it's your piece. I, I don't want to mess anything up. I, you know, this is brilliant. I think it, it has the potential to win. And he said, how are you ever going to learn if you don't just jump in there and do it? And so he forced me to, to really think about 
you know, what I had been saying all along that I needed to just jump in. And so not only did I jump into his sculpture, but I competed and I took first place there, uh, really shocking everybody at Millennium Jam. <laughs> and then uh, I came back to the United States and won Entertainer of the Year for IBAC, which no other woman had done. And I think it's important to push yourself artistically, uh, to push yourself emotionally, right? Those were challenges for me emotionally and physically. And all of those things build character and and, and not just artistry. Yeah. And that character is something that helps you uh, later on, on the day-to-day decisions that you make. Do you actually feel like you see, like you feel the, the, the strong connection between knowing what you're capable of, knowing the challenges that you put in front of yourself and manage to, to overcome uh, and your ability to overcome new challenges, daily challenges related to your business? Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that character drive allows you to stand in front of a customer with confidence and deliver a message of confidence to them. Uh, to say, you know what, what you're asking for is completely accomplishable. I think people like Guido Verhoff stare, have that character to stare somebody in the face and say, you know, nothing is impossible, and we can accomplish this, and we can make that dream a reality. And when you have that drive, you're able to accomplish huge, huge things. And I think this is probably why our business has been successful, because we have been able to stand in front of people with confidence and deliver a message that reassures them that we can come up with a product that will not only meet their needs, but exceed their expectations and their dreams. I understand. So if we go more into the practicality of, of it in terms of uh, the conventions, where in the next few months uh, will you teach? And if, if that is also already something you can share Well, I'm already doing the world tour with Qualitex Pioneer, and I'm super excited for the stops that we're doing. Um, while the classes are being all over the world, I'll be traveling all over the U.S. stateside and very excited to deliver all new material there. Um, I think, though, that it's not enough to be an instructor. In fact, I have turned down many instructor gigs, uh, including some very prestigious ones, to be an attendee. Because I don't think you can be a good instructor if you're not a good student as well. Uh, for that very reason, I, uh, I've turned down you know, teaching opportunities to attend many of the conventions as a student where I just want to go and learn and enjoy the camaraderie and, and gather that information. And I'll be attending some of those conventions coming up. Um, there's Florida Super Jam in January. Um, my favorite all-time twisting convention ever, of course, is Twist and Shout that moves around the U.S. It will be in um, Orlando this year in February, so I'm extremely excited for that. Uh, annually, I try to attend the Bling Bling Jam in July. That format is a little bit different, uh, a little bit more laid back, but still it has the excitement of Vegas, uh, a really fun theme every year. And, um, and they have really comfortable um, arrangements for everybody to just feel like they can jump in and, and compete. And, and that is uh, a, a nice presentation as well. Um, 
of course, I taught at the WBC last time, and uh, that is the mother of all conventions. That's the biggest, baddest convention in all of ballooning. And, uh, and the thing that I like about that is that they never forget to bring in the business elements. Um, they remember that it's not enough to have one design. It's the ability to be able to sell it that's important as well. You've been around <laughs> to, to so many conventions and also um, you, you keep attending them even these days, even now that you, you are so, so busy with managing and running a business. But I know um, from, from talking with you uh, just before we started the interview that even to this day, it's important for you not just to run your business and to provide awesome solutions to your customers for their decor needs and their entertainment needs but you still even to these days you lead by example for your employees and you uh, entertain uh, kids with uh, with your balloons and with your art can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that and uh, <laughs> you know I would honestly I would never ask my employees to do anything I wasn't willing to do myself so I actually try to work a restaurant at least once a week to be in touch with what my employees are being asked for, to be in touch with the latest and greatest, you know, ideas or asks from our customers. Um, I go out and do decor myself because people want to see the face of the company. And so I uh, am constantly trying to make sure that My employees know that I want to do what they do and that I can do what they do. And that that's my goal. And do you also um, educate them by yourself? You teach them, you train them? Yes, I do, actually. So do you also uh, take your employees to such situations, like to the restaurant, to, to show them how you do how you do it to train them oh, oh yeah absolutely we have the way we actually work our programs is that people shadow other people it's really important for an employee not to just be thrown out in the den although we have to do that sometimes um, our employees attend conventions so that they can learn and be prepared in advance so that they can shadow other uh, party animals employees who have been here longer We actually do training sessions in the house uh, and bringing everybody over and, and learning, you know, new ideas and how to, how to do the latest techniques or the latest balloon animal, for example. Yeah. So uh, shadowing, shadowing is, is a very interesting concept uh, that obviously you, you implement into your business, which has all kinds of range of experience uh, for your employees, I guess. Most of our employees have a really long tenure. I'm really lucky to have employees that have been with me. My average tenure is 11 and a half years. Um, I'd like to think that that's because I'm a halfway decent boss, um, but I think it's because we make this a fun place to work. And they understand that it's a safe environment for them. So we, you know, we constantly give them the skills that they can um they can use in the field, even if they were to move somewhere else. And in fact, you know, I've had employees that have moved on that still do balloon animals in another state or still entertain their children with, with the things that we taught them long ago. 
So uh, you are uh, teaching in the world tour and you've been, you're, you're still attending conventions. You see the, the importance of them. A lot of balloon artists uh, have this dream of, you know, becoming something like you, which is um, a business owner and an employer and to have uh, a, a decor business and to have multiple entertainers and so on. Um, uh, even, even myself, I've been uh, experimenting with hiring uh, uh, an, an, an actor so that he will do entertainment that I will send him to do um, like birthday shows. Unfortunately, it didn't work out and, and, and I didn't have time to go back and revisit this venture. But here's some concern that I had and a lot of people that are you know, considering growing with uh, Persona, they have this uh, fear which I want to share with you and, 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 and pick your brain about. Uh, and that is the fear that you are basically training your competition, your future competition. And the fear of, uh, you know, uh, making it very hard for yourself later on when they leave you. So how, how did you tackle this fear and what do you think about it? You know, that has absolutely happened to me. Um, I will tell you that I have a non-compete contract uh, in my in my paperwork. It is not enforceable in every state. Uh, so that's not the solution for everybody. But I think one has to understand that you only create competition that that is defined at a certain level. So anybody who knows my personal story knows that I had some employees that were very, very close to me that left my company and started their own business, which uh, w was really, you know, very hurtful at the time. But I had to step back and realize that they would never have what we had, which is the large group, which is the business knowledge behind the scenes, which is the drive to be more successful every day, which is the ability and the drive and the and the knowledge and the need to attend conventions to get better and better. They would never have those things that I had to make my business even, even more elevated than theirs. And then the one thing that, that people take for granted, and uh, so many balloon artists joke in this area. In fact, if you talk to some of the local twisters in this market, they laugh um, not so much about the twisting part, but certainly decor. And they will tell you that Connie owns in quotations Nashville and that made me laugh every time I hear it but it's because we have fostered relationships with our customers that they don't look outside those doors they're happy with what we've presented them um, they have we have a rapport with them that they have no need to actually look for somebody else uh, and so I am very confident when when an employee walks away, if they wait through that non-compete time and they wait through, um, you know, that number of miles and they were to go into business, that they wouldn't be able to establish a business as successful as mine simply because we have exclusive partnerships with customers. We have asked them to be their sole provider. I have asked them how can I be 
the one and only provider for you, exclusive vendor. I want to be your exclusive provider. Tell me how to earn your trust so that you won't look to anybody else. And that has worked for us. That is probably, if I could give a new balloon artist in the industry a catchphrase, to go to every one of their customers and say, what is it that I need to do to earn your trust so that I could be your exclusive provider? I have contracts now with people that are up to five years where they have signed and said they won't use anybody else because I've simply stepped forward and asked to be their exclusive provider. And that makes it very difficult for somebody who steps out of, you know, the role of being an employee and thinking that they could be a business owner and an entrepreneur into capturing those money-making businesses because they're already ours. We, quote unquote, own them. Wow. Uh, this is deep stuff. How, how do you manage to, con to portray to your customer the value of signing an agreement with you of exclusivity? That sounds like well, a hard sell. It, it isn't a hard sell. It really is about asking. You know, I tell people all the time, if you don't ask, you can't have an answer. Um, it's really easy. I, we actually have an exclusive contract with the federal government in our area at one of the military bases. And we simply said, how is it that we can be the exclusive provider? How is it that we can have this contract you? What do we need to do in order to make that work? Is it meet a certain price point? Is it to show you that we're on time every time? Is it to send out entertainers that wow people every time? What is it that's important to you? And if they say all of the above, we feel like we can meet those requirements and know that we can meet those requirements. Um, with hotels, it's about ensuring them that we'll be there to strike when they are done with their event, that we'll always clean up the mess, that everything comes out that goes in, that we work around their wait staff and their schedules. And that gets us the exclusive contracts with the hotels It's those kind of things that we work for uh, to get those contracts. Is that a, a, a strategy that you've employed since day one? Pretty much. I would say that we probably have always asked, you know, I, years ago I attended a convention that wasn't even a balloon convention. And it was in Texas of all places. And... Um, Bush was the president back then. I don't even remember which one it was. I think it was the younger junior Bush. And um, somebody had asked the audience, how many of you know George Bush or know somebody that knows somebody that knows George Bush? And interestingly enough, in that audience, over 85% of the people, maybe even 90% of the people, knew somebody who knew the president or was secondhand to the president. And I thought, if you are that close to somebody with that much power, why are you sitting in this convention? Why don't you have the world in the palm of your hand? And it's probably because you didn't ask for it. And it was at that moment that I started realizing that you could foster those relationships easily enough by simply asking, by simply saying, How do I get your business? Wow, you are like a, a master closer because uh, 
you're you're asking for the clothes you're asking for 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 the deal but you're not just asking for this one gig you're asking your customers to build uh, uh, an abiding relationship with you did it ever happen to you that you found out that one of your customers have decided to take um, another supplier? Oh, uh, well, you know, there's been times where I've asked and they've said, no, we don't think we can do that. Either our business doesn't allow us to do that or we're already working with somebody who we're really happy with. And, you know, I'm okay with that because my response to them is, you know what, if that company ever lets you down, please let me know and I will be first in line to stand up here and fulfill your needs. Um, you know, keep me in mind. Here's my card. Give me a call. And um, my director of marketing is really, really good at that. He's really good at fostering relationships and building rapport to where they don't feel they have to go anywhere else, to where they feel like they can call his cell phone and get whatever they need. Wow. And uh, the director of marketing, is that your husband? or? Yeah, it is. It is. He was in the military in uh, army recruiting for 24 years. And when he retired from the military, I said, you know, what are you going to do now? And he said, I, I'm not sure. And I said, well, certainly if you can get somebody to like three years minimum, you can sell them an Easter bunny and an arch. And so he's been very, very successful at it because he's very good at convincing people um, to trust and to, and to and to develop those relationships um, where the rapport is so strong that they don't feel they need to call anybody else. Do you sometimes attend the conventions together? Yeah, we've attended IBAC several times together. Uh, we've also attended Ballooniversity in Georgia. It's a very uh, strong convention with a lot of um, instructors that you don't see every day. Um, that one makes that convention very, very attractive because they have a wide variety of instructors from all over that you don't see at every single convention. And so we attend those together because they're more uh, decor focused too, which is more of his thing. I, I tend to be the entertainer and he tends to be the stacker, if you will. <laughs> But uh, since he's the director of marketing, then I think you should bring him to Twist and Shout 17 where there will be a few uh, interesting uh, marketing-oriented masterclasses and classes. So if he does uh, come, let me know. I would like to ask for you to portrait a day in your life, in your business. How, do, how does a day look like? When does it start? When does it end? What, what does it involve? Is it like... Uh, similar every day? Is it very, very different? Can you, can you share with us that? <laughs> well, it depends on whether it's a busy day or a light day. But I will tell you that um, I joke with people all the time that being a business owner is great because you only have to work half days. It's just up to you to decide which 12 hours of the day that's going to be. And that's very much true uh, in our life. You know, we get up at six o'clock every morning to get the kids off to school. And it's pretty much nonstop from then. Uh, the crews are out by usually seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, we're in 
full swing with every crew, usually by 10. Um, there are two people that work in our office on a daily basis that we've um, pretty much had to pull out of the office for the most part to be out with the crews because of the amount of work that we've had. But we try to keep one or two here to answer the phone and to get things ready for the next um, events that are going out. And we usually work right up until dinner time, which is, you know, around seven o'clock. So it, it ends up being really long days. Uh, and there are some that are much longer than that. It's not uncommon for us to have our poor crews out all hours of the day and night. Um, but we feed them a lot, so <laughs> they're thankful for that. Do you work by yourself on nurturing some of those relationships with your customers? I would say that my husband does a lot of that. There are some of the relationships that we have that I have fostered simply because they know my artwork. They know me as an entertainer. They know me as a decorator. Uh, and they know me personally. So those are the relationships I tend to foster. However, my employees know that that at any time they can choose to build a relationship as well. If it is a relationship that doesn't already exist, they get a commission and first dibs on that job. So that continues to help grow the business. That's interesting. So, so, the, so sometimes um, like the employee that manages the customer, the account, if you will, they get like the opportunity to get uh, commissions if they sell more more gigs basically so if it is a customer that we have never done business with and they go out and they say here's our card give us a call and we know that it is a customer that they have actually pitched they don't have to sell them anything we'll do the selling but make the introduction then yes they get a commission on that job and they also get first right to work those particular events I see so it's like kind of an affiliate program but <laughs> it's a mini sales force is what it is right yeah. we've empowered to, to be our to be our sales force yeah yeah you know Seth Godin is always talking about how you need um, the marketing department to be a part of the research and development department and basically create the products with marketing uh, in mind uh, through, through all the steps and that everyone needs to know how to do the sales and uh, because that's like the next step. And, and what you do is basically not far from it in terms of your employees um, encouraged to know that if, the, if, if your business sells, more gigs and more product and more services then your business grows and 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 it's important so I, I I understand that my best employees always have business cards on them and are constantly passing them out we used to joke that you would get fired if you couldn't produce a business card on demand but uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is that most of them do that's uh, what they have been trained to do is to Uh, produce a business card anytime somebody says well what do you do or you know what else do you do and they'll whip out that business card and start talking them up because they know that there's that potential for them to make extra money do you also train your employees for for, for negotiation and for sales and for ob overcoming objections 
you know, we don't do that part. That's a great idea, though. <laughs> I like that idea. Oh, oh wow. I, I, I'm, I'm going to send you something. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I never have because I feel like it's my responsibility to close the deal. However, uh, you know, it makes sense. It makes sense for them to have those tools in their tool belt, especially when they're front and center and I'm not there or RJ isn't there. When your customer needs, they have a gig, upcoming gig, they want to decorate it, they want to create some atmosphere, um, will they call you directly or will they call someone else? No, they call the office and any one of the people in the office is usually capable of taking the call. Now, we do have two people that are pretty much full-time in the office answering the phone and they understand how to... upsell a customer they do understand what to pitch a customer they know the leading questions to ask to get us the information that we need should we call them back and obviously provide a quote I, I wonder what type of marketing <laughs> do you do in, in a business like that like yours Coney obviously a lot of it is word of mouth because we have been in the business since 1995 so people hear about us from other people um, we are very good at bartering advertisement on the radio uh, they are always looking for somebody to twist at an event it's usually really short um, their remotes are not very long which is nice because we can send somebody out for a very short amount of time and get a very large amount of radio marketing out of it so we use radio marketing in our area uh, I am a big proponent of using Facebook social media uh, and using that to with advertising to actually um, engage a customer audience not necessarily close everything on there but but certainly expose them to our business and what we're doing. And then we have some select marketing channels that we do, um, some very exclusive marketing and, and some print ads for uh, magazines, so some wedding venue magazines. Uh, the Jewish Community Center magazine is very important to us because they have a very large market here. And some other... exclusive print ads for universities that we know produce the type of customers that we're looking for. That's a, a good diverse uh, answer, you know, a combination of uh, some online stuff with uh, Facebook marketing and some, uh, some traditional, more traditional, but very targeted um, ads on Facebook. Printed, printed ads basically very interesting uh, we are, we are uh, almost running out of our time so <laughs> I would like to ask for uh, for for what would you recommend a balloon artist should do if they want to grow their business from having one employee which is their themselves to maybe you three or five employees what what are, will be the tips that you will give today to coney from 95 or from um, like if you met coney today if you met yourself today and you wanted to make it happen for you 
what would you say? Well, you know, I'm asked constantly, how do I determine whether I bring on an employee or not? And I think that's really the answer to your question, which is that I don't look at it as an amount of money. So I don't say, oh, I need $3,000 to bring on a new employee. I need to make $6,000 to bring on a new employee. Actually, the way we look at it is an amount of workload. So if we've landed this customer and this customer is going to allow us to book six hours a week or 12 hours a week or 15 hours a week, or if this customer with these other customers combined make 15 hours a week or 20 hours a week, then perhaps we have enough for another part-time employee. So we really look at it as the amount of hours that the work that we have on the books are going to generate. And if you look at the number of hours that you have and you divide them out between the employees, understanding history, this employee works 30 hours, this employee works 40 hours, this employee only works 20 hours. If those hours are allocated and you still have a number of hours on the books, then to me, it makes sense to fill another position. So I'm really looking at the workload, not at the dollar amount, in order to figure out how many people I want to bring to the table. If I translate this to a business owner, a balloon artist that wants to grow his business, you would not start with hiring uh, the second employee before there's enough load for, for them? Well, you know, I feel like it's my responsibility as an employer to make sure that I have enough hours to feed everyone. And so I would feel particularly guilty if I was to bring somebody on without having enough work for them. Certainly you can. Uh, and I think if your drive is to hustle to make sure that they have enough hours, then that's great. Um, but my goal has always been to make sure before we ask if we're bringing somebody on that we have work for them to do. Because otherwise, it's just another body on the roster that doesn't get fed. Yeah, I get it. You've been hustling uh, when you were young and, and when your business was small in order to create those The, the, that workload and you've been through hard times you know business wise um, trying to grow your business and uh, can you share with us you know what what made you successful do you think <laughs> you know I realized a long time ago that it's really hard to be broke But it's just as hard to be successful. So I needed to choose a path. And the path that I wanted was the successful one. Nobody wants to be broke. And so in order to make sure that I had enough hours, in order to make sure that I had enough hours to feed myself, let alone somebody else, I would do what back then was guerrilla marketing. I had cards printed up and I would put those cards on every bulletin board uh, at every employer that my friends had, I'd be like, take my cards, put them on your bulletin board at work. So I would get that corporate work so that I would get that exposure. I would take my cards and put them on the bulletin boards of every deli in town. I would hang them at the front of the Walmart. I would literally tape them to the drive through boxes because I knew that the moms went through McDonald's and they would pull my cards off of the drive through as they saw them. It was really important to me to get my name out there and to get that exposure 
uh, without having to invest a lot of money back then. And uh, it, you know, when you're hungry, you tend to have a little bit more drive. I know there's a gal out in California, and we were talking about how we were making sure that our that we would get parties because we had to have so many parties in order to pay our bills. And she said she used to put her business cards on the shoe boxes in the children's shoe store because she knew that mothers would go in there and they would find the cards in the shoe boxes and hopefully hold on to them. And I thought, you know, that's brilliant because she knows her market. She knows that she has a captive audience because they're sitting there trying on shoes and she was hungry enough to make that business for herself. And uh, that's charm and happy out of California. I should give her credit because um, I think everybody realizes at some point that you that you need to hustle in order to make money if you don't have it established already. And she certainly did that to make her business work. That's a very, very interesting story. I, I'm, I'm just blown at how much... It is hard in the business and you just need to, you know, toughen up or man up or invest the hours and make it happen. I have the privilege of uh, looking you at the eye uh, through Skype, the way we record those interviews. And, uh, and uh, I see how you've been fighting uh, for, for the success of your business and for many years have been able to feed many families and I take my hat off for you Connie for helping us the next generation uh, with your knowledge and with sharing your ideas through conventions and through panels and through uh, uh, teaching gigs and uh, and uh, now here also as well so uh, thank you so much and uh, when is the next your next uh, teaching gig where people can um, see you? I am so excited to be teaching this. Actually, I'm teaching in two days <laughs> or three days. I'm going to be in Detroit uh, for Pioneer teaching at A to Z Distributorship, teaching a corporate decor class that has almost 70 registrants now. So we're really excited about that um, group of participants coming out and learning some really great classic decor, decorating big scale venues um, with round balloons. So yeah, that's the next teaching gig. And then we start our world tour. Um, I, I think my first uh, world tour class is in March and I'll be so excited and stoked after already, you know, attending uh, Florida Super Jam and Twist and Shout. So I'll be prepared uh, as a student to be a better instructor, I think, because I have been a student, because I have taken the time to learn at those other conventions and glean knowledge off of other balloon artists. Is it uh, okay to talk about what will you teach in the world tour? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have some brand new material we've been developing with European instructors. I have a brand new class that features um, new product from Pioneer, so really excited about using their new top secret product yay <laughs> and uh, and teaching some new techniques for um, for uh, actually the theme of my class is uh, birthday delivery so I'm super excited about all of the different birthday uh, decor that incorporates some twisting I'm excited to say um, and centerpieces and deliveries and columns and 
all of those different things that you can use as an add-on to any of your birthday parties. So definitely sounds very interesting. I'm so excited to meet you again soon in Twist and Shout. Uh, it would be awesome. And thank you, Connie, for, for the time with us. And just, uh, uh, just be you. It's so good for us that we have a Connie. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you so you. much. That's very sweet of you. But, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I feel like I'm nothing without the development of all of the people that came before me. You know, I'm inspired by Sue Bowler and Marvin Hardy and, and, oh my gosh, there's too many to name. Royal Sorrell, Patty Sorrell. They all gave a little bit of themselves that inspired me even in the beginning. I remember sitting, you know, as a wide-eyed kid in the back of class thinking, maybe someday I'll have something to share. And it's it's really because of those people that that I feel like I have something to share today. So I'm thankful for those people who came before me uh, and gave me the encouragement and the knowledge and that little push that I needed to get bigger and better. You know, it was the Marvin who... who said balloons can take you all over the world. And I never thought for a minute that that would be me. And um, so thank you to Marvin for, for his gift. Um, you know, thank you to the special friendships that I have in the industry who remind me that um, balloon artistry is, is bigger than the art form, is, is about uh, love and compassion and love. And friendship um, which I've found in so many people uh, lifelong friendships that I've developed because they have brought things to the table that reminded me that um, that we all need that humanity that we all need to share that we all need that love that we all need that friendship and that makes our art form even better Wow uh, I'm into that. <laughs> That's something that I can so much relate to. You know, we started with a quote about that there is no shortcut, there's no elevator to success. You need to take the stairs. And I think, you know, what you are talking about, about the giants, if we are able to see far away from where we stand, it's because we stand on the shoulders of giants. You mentioned a few of your giants, and uh, thank you, Coney, for uh, helping us. And uh, with that said, Coney, Aiden Mons, I will see you soon in Twist and Shout. Great. See you soon. I told you this is going to be an awesome interview. Coney really blowed my mind with her ideas about exclusivity and how she motivates employees. I think she's really smart. And I know her when, because I jammed with her in WBC. And she's also extremely friendly. So if you go to Twist and Shout, make sure you go to Connie Eidenmonts and say hello to her and tell her uh, what you think or if you have any question. She loves helping. If you go to Twist and Shout, how about meeting with me as well and with Guy Sheffer? We're going to teach in Twist and Shout. And if you didn't register to Twist and Shout yet, then you can do it through the Balloon Artist Podcast coupon and get some prizes. This week, two additional people uh, joined the prize takers. Eldad Hevroni from Israel won my e-book, The Champion Building System, and I'm really proud of this e-book. Also, Michelle Wolf from Australia. 
you also won the free spirit boost. So I'll send you all the details, Michelle and Eldad. Thank you for your support and thank you for coming to Twist and Shout with the coupon from the Balloon Artist Podcast. If you need the coupon, because there are many prizes left for you guys, If, the, if you want the coupon, it will not save you money, it will not cost you money, but you can win prizes that are really cool and that uh, uh, we're really proud of. So uh, be- better hurry up because on the 24th of December, the price goes up on the Twist and Shout enrollment. The coupon is available on the balloonartistpodcast.com. I invite you personally to check out uh, the Facebook group Balloon Artist because there's so much fun going on that I think you'll love it. Thank you for your patience with listening to the Balloon Artist podcast, for, uh, with you uh, investing on your business, on your knowledge. Uh, that is something that I really appreciate. So please let's meet in Twist and Shout and anywhere we can, uh, either on the virtual world, on Facebook or face-to-face, maybe even one day in the Israeli event next year. So... With that said, see you soon in the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is the tip section of Season 3, Chapter 9.5. Today, I want to give you two ideas that I want to share with you. Uh, the first one is about AdWords. If you're using AdWords to uh, market yourself, then there's a new resource on the re- resources tab on the balloonartistpodcast.com. And this resource includes seven tips of how to choose keywords for your campaigns. So basically how to make sure you know, that your money is not wasted with AdWords because there's a lot of money traps. I hope you can uh, use that and that it can help you. It is It is directly taken out of my presentation for the modern automated balloon business course. In addition to that, the second tactic, uh, it's the tactic of how to pre-approve the charges of extra time. So this is a new tactic I've been using and a few of my um, uh, friends and uh, map keys and coaches uh, use this successfully and um, it just helps you get more money for your bookings for those for that extra time so the idea, the idea is, is after that people close with you you can tell them that they basically they basically purchased a package of two hours or of one hour or whatever and that the extra time is something that you charge for so it i charge for every 30 extra minutes around 125 us dollars so i tell my customers that if I need to stay an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour or even ex- an extra two hours, I'm not going to go and get their permission to stay longer. They pre-approve in written format that their responsibility is to stop me when they want me to stop. What happens is that the customer don't want you to stop, but because it's their responsibility, they uh, basically pay you the extra. When it is your responsibility to ask for permission to stay, usually they say, no, don't, there's no need to stay, but there's, there there's actually is a need to stay and do some more balloons for the kids. So by shifting the responsibility to the customer, they feel more control. 
I feel like it is uh, actually giving a better service because they feel the control, they feel the responsibility, and actually it is the responsibility to control the outcome of their event, and sometimes they don't really understand the outcome uh, if they are not responsible for the event. Um, and uh, this is why this tactic was working well for me for now. I've tested this with both corporate customers and uh, private customers, and they see it as a fair deal. Uh, they know in advance that they are responsible to stop me after my two hours and um, pay extra if they don't do that. Uh, I hope you can experiment with this tactic and that you've enjoyed the, this chapter of the Balloon Artist podcast. See you soon, guys.